Hey, my name's Jordan. I'm a heroin addict. How's everybody doing? Yeah, I love these HA meetings, right? Because I speak a lot. Uh, I work a program in AA. It's very similar to HA, but um, when I go to AA meetings, I got to kind of filter my story down, right? With, so try not to mention drugs. So I love speaking at any HA event first or meeting. So yeah, let's see. Uh, let's see here. Start at the beginning. Uh, I was born. <laughs> um, Sick, right? Yeah, I was born um, 1987, right? Um, pretty normal childhood. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was about six years old. And so right off the bat, I felt like I was different from everybody else, right? Like I had to come from this broken, shattered family of divorced parents. And um, everybody else had these perfect families, right? So moved in with my, my mom and stepdad, you know, um, far away from where my dad was. And like I said, like I said, right off the bat, I kind of just felt like I was different from everybody. Um, I guess you would, I'd consider myself like a, a late bloomer, right? Cause I didn't really start messing with alcohol or drugs till, till I was 16, right? You know, you hear a lot of, a lot of these meetings, people like I started at nine, started at six. I started at 16 years old. And I remember, um, you know, it was this new year's party and the whole grade was there. And that was like the first time I kind of felt accepted by my peers, right? Everybody got drunk. You know, people were getting thrown through glass tables and uh, I was like, yo, this is awesome. Yeah, I want to do this all the time. Um, and things didn't really fall apart right away, right? Like I finally felt like I was accepted by my peers. Um, and around age 17, uh, I found weed and I was like, dude, this is awesome. You know, like this goes hand in hand with the alcohol. Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, my first bout with rehab, I was about 17 years old. Uh, back in New Jersey, I'm also from New Jersey, right? Like Dean had mentioned he's from New Jersey. Um, we have delayed openings. So if there's like a day where there's, you know, inclement weather, uh, we have like a two hour delayed opening. I picked up one of my friends, you know, we, we got to school and I uh, had a little, like a water bottle filled with tequila, like half, you know, maybe like two shots each. We each take a chug of this and, we, and he throws it into the woods and, um, a surveyor in the woods was surveying the land for the school. And I guess he almost hit this guy in the head and he brought it to the, to the office. And I got called down to the principal's office and had to get assessed for rehab. So right out the gate, you know, 17 years old, uh, there's, uh, there's obviously a problem if I'm drinking at, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning before school. Um, had to do a six week, six week treatment center, uh, outpatient rehab. And man, I was counting down. I was counting down the time till I could smoke weed again, right? Cause I was like, fuck this, this is retarded. Um, they wouldn't let me graduate high school until I, I completed this program. So, you know, there were early warning signs, right? But at this point, my life really hadn't fallen apart. I'll fast forward a little bit, right? So maybe I was 20 or 21. And guys, this town that I, that I lived in, in New Jersey, was in the middle of fucking nowhere, right? The town name is Long Valley. Like, that doesn't even sound exciting. There's nothing there, right? It's the middle of farmland. You know, people think New Jersey, they think city. But, like, if you go 45 minutes outside New York City, you're in the middle of fucking right so i'm in this town and i remember oxycontin came around and i remember um one of my friends was like hey we got this oxycontin like, you want to try it and the only thing i knew about oxycontin at this point was like oh is that that hillbilly heroin because like that's what everybody called it at that point hillbilly heroin and i honestly just tried it out of pure curiosity and boredom i was like yeah i'll try this and i remember doing this for the first time i was like oh dude that feels fucking good I was like, I like this feeling, right? I want to chase that more. And, um, you know, at this point I'm, I'm working for, you know, my father's company. I was making money. I was making decent money. I had money in the bank account. 
And I was like, dude, I want to do this all the time. This is amazing. I feel great. You know, everyone, all of us know what that first hit's like, right? It's amazing. So um, keep going on my story here. Uh, coincidentally, that year, I ended up getting like a, a pretty big tax return, right? It was like two or $3,000. And what do, what do us smart drug addicts do when we get a big, you know, lump sum of money? You start buying drugs and selling them, right? I mean, that's what I did. Um, so we had this connection down in, in Elizabeth and I would go there every day and man, these things sold like hotcakes, right? I'd go and I'd pick up like 40 or 50 of these OC 80s and on my 40 minute drive back home, they'd all be sold. Like before I even got back, people all wanted them. That's how fast they were selling. And I was like, dude, this is awesome. I can continue to get my stuff for free. Uh, I don't even have to try to sell them. They just sell themselves, right? Um, but once again, we all know how that story ends up, right? Eventually, I just end up you know, starting to get high on my own supply. And before I know it, you know, four, three, four months down the road, I'm broke. And I'm the person that is hitting up people to buy the, to buy the same drug, right? Um, at this point, I'm still living at my mom's house. Um, I feel like she suspected that something was up, but she didn't really know um, until she caught me with the pill. Um, I was taking the coating off of it. She's like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm sitting there on the, the faucet running hot water over this pill. And I was like, uh, washing my hands? She's like, in the bathtub? <laughs> so, you know, so she knew something was up and it was kind of off and running from that point. Um, she ended up kicking me out of, my out, of, out of my house at that point. And I was like, okay, well, now I'm fucked. Uh, I was dating this girl at the time and I decided to get an apartment, right? Now I'm finally free. I'm finally free to do all the drugs I want. And uh, and you know live in this apartment so we live in this apartment and I don't know if you guys are any good at paying bills when you're getting loaded but I sure as hell ain't right um we're at this apartment and you know like nine months down the road I get this eviction notice so like I'm ready to get evicted and here's my second time with treatment right I'm like okay I have a problem I call mommy and daddy please bail me out right I'm facing eviction um they ended up bailing me out. They sent me to a treatment center. This is my first uh, experience with inpatient. They sent me to this treatment center down in South, South Jersey. It was a two-week treatment center. I was there for two weeks. And I was like, yo, this sucks, right? Wake us up at like six o'clock in the morning over the loudspeaker. They're like, good morning. It's 65 degrees and sunny. And I was like, shut the fuck up, dude. I just want to sleep. Um, and I was there for two weeks. I remember my, my parents came and like we had a meeting with the counselor. And I was like, dude, I'm good to go. I don't know if anyone... Uh, it's not your first time getting sober, right? Like, I was like, dude, I've got two weeks of sobriety. I'm good now, uh, you know, I got this. Um, obviously I was very wrong. I did not have this. Um, I left the treatment center and then, you know, it was maybe a matter of like a week or two, you know, I was smoking weed right away and it was a week or two before I was back on the opiates. You know, eventually the, uh, the pills became too expensive. And I don't know if you guys know anything about New Jersey, but it's like, heroin capital of the United States, right? It's like all of it comes in at the port. Um, it's super cheap, right? And you can go to uh, Patterson. Patterson is where I used to go, Patterson in Newark. And um, I remember like, I was afraid to go to these places, right? Cause I was like, here I am this like frail white boy, right? And like, I do not want to go to these ghetto places to pick up drugs. So I used to pay a premium to someone who would pick it up and then bring it for me, right? But eventually that became too expensive, right? And I ended up going down to the middle of nowhere, you know, the, the hood to pick up to pick up drugs. And I've gotten threatened, I've gotten threatened to be stabbed. Uh, I've had lots of violence, right? But like, in my mind, it was my, it was getting my fix, right? So I would do anything for that next fix. 
Um, eventually, you know, the girl I was dating at the time was this courier for this hospital company and she would bring the bank deposits to the bank. And we figured out that if we took the money out of the bank deposit, like two or three days before her paycheck, we could go down to Patterson, pick up drugs and then replace the money when the paycheck came. So yeah, it's a great idea, right? Um, so we did that, right? And then we're coming out of Patterson and there's this town next to Patterson called Totowa. And like, they just hate Patterson. They want nothing to do with Patterson because of all the drugs and stuff that come out of there. And I'm in this parking lot that I've been to probably a thousand times. I'm sitting in this parking lot. We're about to, we're getting these bags ready, about to do this bag. And uh, there's an undercover police officer across the parking lot watching me. Um, so I'm sitting there in a Crown Vic, coincidentally. Um, and he pulls up in front of my car, rips me out of the car. And I was like, okay, dude, I'm fucked, right? I have a brick of heroin. I have a quarter of weed. I have a scale, I have baggies. I have all this paraphernalia with me. I was like, I'm fucked, right? They bring me down to jail. You know, they $35,000, no 10% option. Of course, they're blaming everything on me, nothing on her. Um, and this is the first time I was like, dude, my life is unmanageable. This is like the first time I saw some truth. I was like, something's got to give because this shit ain't working anymore. Um, I ended up, you know, having the ability to, to bail out. Um, and this is the point where I was like, okay, I got, I got to make a change. I got to make a change. And I decided that the whole thing that I was going to do was would do a geographical relocation. Um, so I ended up getting off on the court case. They gave me a loitering in a known drug area, which is a misdemeanor, even though it's a thing, right? Um, and that's when I was like, okay, I need to make a change because like all the, all the places here remind me of drugs. Like all the people here remind me of drugs. I tried to work an NA program, but that just gave me more drug connections than anything. Um, and it's true. The first person I ever shot up with was a guy I met in NA. Um, and I was like, okay, where do I want to move? I've, I've grown up in New Jersey, Florida or California. You know, it's like, Florida's too fucking hot. There's too many old people down there. Let's go with California. So I moved out here to California. I moved to a sober living. Um, and this was like my first introduction to the, like the, the, the rooms of AA and the 12 steps of AA. Um, so I'm at this, this, this sober living house. And again, very structured. They'd wake us up at six o'clock in the morning. We do a devotional. Um, we all went to a meeting as a house. I had like two weeks to get a sponsor, start working steps. I had two weeks to get a job, like a very structured place, but that's what I needed, right? Cause I needed, I lacked that structure in my life. So I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll talk the talk and I'll walk the walk. Um, and within, you know, within those two weeks, I got a sponsor. I applied for a bunch of jobs. Uh, I actually ended up getting hired at a Walgreens pharmacy as a shift manager, which is fucking crazy because now I have a key to the pharmacy, right? I was like, these people only know my, my past, my scattered past, right? Um, but I did, I did what people suggested of me, right? I, I worked the program. And I got real involved in, in AA. Actually, it was the first time I ever went to an HA meeting too. There was one down in um, Encinitas that I used to go to. And I was like, this is cool. Like I, I, can start, I can start fresh here, right? But I had reservations. I had reservations the whole time. Um, so, you know, after living in three months for this treatment center, uh, I had reservations because I want to smoke weed. I was like, dude, I'm out here in California. It's pretty much legal whether women weed, right? Like you can't do the three W's without the weed. Um, so I moved out with one of my, uh, roommates from sober living. I definitely advise against that unless you guys have like serious, solid sobriety. And, you know, he mentioned this black tar heroin and I was like, Oh, I've never seen black tar heroin. You know, I've only seen powder form. What's that look like a month later? I'm back on heroin, right? <clears throat> I'm back on heroin. I'm working at this job as a solar company. 
working on rooftops, right? And I definitely don't recommend working on rooftops high. That could get messy, right? Um, but I'm right back where I started. And I'm like, dude, shit. Like I moved across the country to come get this thing I call sobriety, right? And I'm right back where I started from. But like once you're, you're, once you're in that, like that fog, all you, all you care about is the drugs, right? So fast forward a year, <clears throat> I end up getting evicted out of this place. Um, and now I have to take a leave of absence from work, right? Cause I have this dog, I have a dog. I can't, I don't have the money to put my dog in a kennel. Um, I was like, all right, I, I can just live at hotels for a bit until I figure out what I'm doing, right? So I remember my first night after getting evicted, eviction number two, right? After getting evicted, um, I had a little bit of money at the bank, in the bank account because I had a job. I'm staying at this Marriott in La Jolla, right? And I remember looking around, I was like, dude, I get used to this. This is kind of nice, right? Fast forward like a month or two, and I'm at like these CDS Motel 6s or like Super 8s, like these sketchy ass motels, right? That nice life did not last for long. Um, and I remember being at this sketchy ass motel in downtown San Diego, um, and I saw this girl, right? I woke up at like two o'clock in the afternoon, I come outside, I'm smoking a cigarette, and I see this like short little blonde hair, blue eyed girl. And I was like, oh yeah, she's cute, right? So she comes up to me and she's like, hey, like, my name's Autumn. Nice to meet you. And I was like, she's like, you have an extra cigarette? I was like, yeah, I have a cigarette. And she's like, so uh, do you do drugs? I was like, dude, I met you like 30 seconds ago. How are you just asking me if I do drugs right off? I was like, no, I don't do drugs. I'm preposterous, right? She's like, shut the fuck up. You do drugs every day. And I was like, how'd you know? <laughs> she's like, your hands, your hands are dirty. I guess I had like dirty hands from you know, doing drugs. Um, and <laughs> I wasn't full, I wasn't fooling anybody. Um, and she introduced me to methamphetamine, right? So never really fucked around with meth till I moved out here. She introduced me to this stuff called meth. And I was like, this is cool. I was like, I can fucking do more meth and stay up to do more heroin. I was like, this is perfect, right? Um, the next day my laptop went missing. You know, and she helped me look for it. So I, I, sh I should have guessed that something was wrong at that point. But you know, at this point, I'm living in hotels for like three months by myself with my dog, and I had I was so lonely for any kind of human connection. Then I was like, "Fuck it, I don't fucking care," right? Um, and I started dealing with like homelessness, right? Uh, at this point, I'm running out of money. Uh, I, I'm manipulating my family, uh, my brothers, my mom, my cousin, my friends, anyone I can get a hold of to get money, right? I'm manipulating them to pay for my hotel room for the night. And every day is just a hustle, right? Every day is just a hustle to get that next hit, to get that next place that you're staying for the night. And it's, it's relentless. I don't miss that at all. Um, yeah, so dealing with homelessness, right? I kept on getting arrested by the police. Uh, they knew who I was, they knew my car. Um, and mixed through, you know, mixed through the stories, like attempts at getting sober, right? Like I would just get so desperate and my mom would try to cut me off and my family would cut me off. And I was like, all right, I'll go to a treatment center. And, you know, I'd go to a treatment center here in San Clemente. I'll go to a treatment center up in LA. I'll go to a detox here. I'll go to a detox there, but it never lasted because I wasn't serious. I wasn't serious about this recovery, right? I'd always AMA, like I have AMA out of so many treatment centers, it should be like a professional title at the end of my name, right? Jordan Erling, AMA, right? <clears throat> because I wasn't ready, right? I just, there was so much, I kept romanticizing the idea of 
getting high and being a drug addict that 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 like was like lust almost right i wanted to live that life um i think one of the last times i went to detox i went to this detox up in in northridge los angeles county right and i checked out of this detox walking down the street it's like broad daylight and i, I stole a, a minivan there was like a minivan and the guy and i was like sweet he just like left the door open with the keys in it so i just hopped in it I said some sarcastic remark, like, thank you, sorry, right? <laughs> and drove back down to San Diego, you know? Um, fast forward two weeks, that same girl, I got an argument with her in the middle of a Target parking lot at midnight, you know, we're going to the casino. I have $22 to my name. We're gonna go to the casino though, cause we're gonna hit it big, right? Um, we go to the casino and she calls the cops on me. I'm in a stolen minivan. I end up getting arrested again, right? At the casino, the, the fucking Indian police show up there, like the regular San Diego sheriff. And once again, I'm in jail, like this time on a $50,000 bail with like false imprisonment charges and like all these ridiculous charges, domestic violence, anything you can think of. Um, it was Valentine's Day. I remember the next day was Valentine's Day. I ended up getting out and I called her and I was like, happy Valentine's Day, bitch. <laughs> I'm out of jail. <laughs> Um, but like that wasn't enough to stop me, you know, as drug addicts, right? Like I still wanted to get high and I still did get high for, for a decent amount of time. <clears throat> so like after all this shit happened, right? Um, eventually I'm like 30 years old, right? And like, that's when I got sober. My Friday date's October 2nd, 2017. So I have a little more than three years. Um, and decided to get sober and I was like, maybe there's a problem in San Diego. So like, once again, in the beginning, there's a problem in New Jersey. Now there's a problem in San Diego. I just keep doing this geographical relocation thing, like thinking my life is gonna get better and I'm gonna change. So I come up here to Orange County, um, do a couple of treatment centers, still that wasn't enough, right? And eventually I went to this treatment center in Mission Viejo called 449. So I'm at this treatment center 449. And like, at this point, I haven't been to so many, I think I counted like 18 treatment centers total that I had been to, right? Like I am a treatment center pro, right? Like I go to the groups, I know what to, I know what to say. I know what you wanna hear, you know? I know exactly what the counselors are looking for and I'm just there to have fun. I'm just there to have fun, get laid, clear my head a little bit and then just back back out and running, you know, until my, my parents, my family can trust me enough to send me money and then I'm off and running. Um, so that's what I did. I was in the same MO. I'm at this treatment center in, uh, in Mission Viejo saying what they want, you know, walking the walk, talking the talk. Um, and I, uh, there's, a, there's a jack in the box across the street from the treatment center. And so like, I go over there and like, there's a cute girl there. So like, I start talking to the cute girl, I get her phone number and then I'm over her house that night. Right. And she like has this like big bong. And I was like, yeah, like I really can't smoke weed. I'm in treatment right now. And, and I was like, well, I guess I could just take like one hit. I just took a drug test yesterday. So <clears throat> took one hit at his bong, right. I was like high. And the next day um, I had a court case in Fullerton. Um, the court case ended up being canceled. So what does every good drug addict do? Right. I was like, I'm going to San Diego to meet the plug. So I got on a train, went back down to San Diego, right? And that's why I was like, bro, that shit happened so fast. I took one hit of weed and like before I knew it, I was on a train back to San Diego. Go down to San Diego and then one more relapse for me, you know? Uh, pick up some meth, pick up some heroin, meet up with some old friends. <clears throat> and then call my mom at like 10 o'clock at night. I was like, hey, I need to be back at, uh, at my treatment center sober living by 11 p.m. Can you get me an Uber? <laughs> And I get an Uber back up to, to Orange County and like get to the sober living and pretend like nothing's wrong, right? It's like, I come in with like ice cream from 7-Eleven it's like melting and shit. I was like, oh, yo, what's up guys? Yeah, court went well. 
<clears throat> so I knew eventually they were going to find out what was going on, right? But I was just pretending that nothing was wrong. Eventually, you know, I, I took a drug test and they eventually caught on to what I was doing. And um, they brought me into this room and they talked to me, right? And this, they did the whole good cop, bad cop routine, which, you know, if you've ever seen TV, you know what that is. Um, and they decided not to kick me out. And like, this is the first time, cause like I relapsed at a lot of treatment centers. This is the first time <clears throat> a treatment center didn't kick me out for the relapse. Cause like here I am fully prepared to get kicked out, go back on the street to go back and running, right? And this was the first treatment center was like, dude, like you got, you got a problem, dude. Like we're here to help you. Like we're not gonna kick you out, but like you gotta show us that you want this thing. You gotta show us that you're gonna actually put some fucking effort into this. Um, so they sent me to, you know, at this point, heroin and the, the meth are out of my system, um, but I still had weed in my system. And they sent me to this, this, this detox, pretty much like a, an observation period for a weekend. And I came back and I said to myself, dude, I'm 30 fucking years old. You know, I, I, know, I know spring chicken anymore. You know, I, I ain't a kid. I'm not 18 or 19. At this point, like I'm a full grown man. I got to stop this bullshit, right? This is too much. Um, so came back to the treatment center started working these fucking steps, right? I got honest with my, my sponsor and I was like, dude, I'll do whatever you tell me to do because I'm tired of living my way. My way don't fucking work. Like what, what is it that you do, right? Um, and he's like, yeah, let's start working the steps, right? <clears throat> that was October 2nd, 2017. Started working these 12 fucking steps, dude. It's really, you know, like Dean said, it's just these 12 steps, it's not that hard. You know, we're just fucking lazy. We don't want to do them, right? I started working in steps and I, tried, I started doing everything my sponsor told me to do. You know, he told me to call him at 5.30 every day. I set an alarm on my phone to call him at 5.30 every day. You best believe I called that man every single day. And I started working these steps. You know, a lot of, the, a lot of the, the guys in treatment come home from group and shit and they're not there for the right reasons, right? They're there and they're coming home and they're watching Netflix or they're playing video games or they're going out shopping. I was like, dude, I'm going to do these steps. Like, I want to get this shit over with, right? So I started working these steps. I started doing exactly what my, uh, my sponsor told me to do. I started reading the book. I don't know about you guys, but I was reading the book and I was like, yo, this shit don't make fucking sense, dude. You're talking about like whoopee parties and shit. Like, <laughs> and I was like, then I realized it was written in 1939, you know, so it kind of makes sense in the context. But I just did it. I did it anyway. You know, my sponsor told me to read the book and I did it anyway. And uh, within maybe three months, like two to three months, I had gotten up to step eight or step nine, right? Like four months into my sobriety, I flew back home to New Jersey. It's cold as fuck. It was February. I was like, this fucking sucks. But, um, you know, I made amends to my family. I made direct amends wherever possible. And that's when I started seeing, like, God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself, right? Kind of what Dean was saying, like, opening up those doors. Came back here to California, um, you know, after the treatment center, I, I lived in a... Uh, super sketchy sober living house where like people were relapsing left and right but i had my program you know i had this program and i you know was armed with facts about myself um ended up opening a sober living house right so me and my friend um his parents owned sober livings on the east coast they ended up opening one out here and i became man a manager of a sober living right you want to learn Want to learn a thing about patients or two try managing a sober living <laughs> you know it taught me a lot about myself um but yeah, after, after 18 months of doing that, I just got so tired of being like, make your bed. <laughs> Whose dishes are these? Clean up your mess, right? But it taught me a lot about myself and it, it actually strengthened my program because I, you know, throw any kind of drug you can think of, I found, uh, I found steroids, alcohol, you name it, right? It, it helped build my program up. 
after 18 months, you know, coincidentally, I lost my job and my uh, position as a house manager in the same week. So I was like, fuck, dude, if anyone has an excuse to relapse, it's me, right? But my feet were trained. I just doubled down on my programs. I went to meetings. I shared about it. I got open with people. I called other alcoholics and drug addicts. And I just was transparent with them. Um, you know, ended up moving to the house that I'm at now. I rented a room at this house um, and then just kept on applying for jobs. You know, at first I was like, yo, unemployment life is sick, dude. Like I can just sleep into whatever time I want and like I can watch TV. After like two weeks of doing that, I was like, yo, this shit sucks, dude. This is the worst. Um, ended up applying for a job out of 100 people that applied for this job. I got chosen, right? And I, I thought I was totally underqualified for this job. They ended up hiring me and I'm still at that position today. Almost two years I'm at this position. And again, God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. Once I put trust in something that's bigger than me and like, dude, your God can be whatever you want. It can be the fucking ocean. It can be mother nature. Like to me, it's God, right? Like if I put my faith in God, you'd be amazed what happens. Like you'll be amazed before you're halfway through. We hear it in the meetings all the time, right? I'm still at that house now. Um, it's funny, like after a year of living in that house, the owner of the house ended up renting me the master suite, the master room at the house. And I was like, sweet. Now I can just invite all my sober living over all my sober friends to live in this house. And it's kind of like a sober living without the rules or restrictions. It's awesome, right? Like I live with three other solid guys, all who have like two years of sobriety and we hold each other accountable and it's awesome. Um, I work a full-time job. I work Monday to Friday. I'm an employee. Dude, I pay taxes, dude. I pay taxes. I have a Costco card, dude. <laughs> that's not adulthood. Yeah, if that's not adulthood, I don't know what is. Dude, I have like four credit cards. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a, another benefit of this program. You know, I remember starting, you know, I started working on my credit like two years ago. It was like a 500, 550. My credit score is like 700 now. They're proving me for like $3,000 credit cards. I was like, sick. I don't need $3,000 worth of shit, but it's still cool, you know? <laughs> um, and and that's my life, you know, working at, working this program of AA and HA, which really is the same program. Um, I don't regret it at all. You know, I have a pretty fucking cool life. I have a good fellowship of people, you know, kind of like what Dean mentioned. I can call anyone I want at any time. And I know that, you know, no matter what time, it, it could be three o'clock in the morning. Like, Bro, I got you. I got you. I have awesome conversations with, with Nate over here, dude. We make fun of Darren. It's awesome. <laughs> Um, but yeah, dude, I don't know. I'm just grateful, right? I don't know if I have a life beyond my wildest dreams, you know, but it's pretty fucking cool. You know, I have a pretty cool life. And uh, most importantly, like my mom has her son back and like my sister has her brother back and my brothers have, my, have their brother back, right? Like we're out there and we're using and drinking and getting high. Like we think that we're taking away from ourselves, but really like you're stealing so much more than that, right? You're stealing someone's sense of peace. You're stealing someone's security, right? And, you know, I'll never forget, like my mom used to tell me like she used to never sleep because she would always, you know, think that I would show up dead or I'd be in jail or like something would happen. Like, dude, I robbed so much sleep from that woman. And like, she sleeps peacefully now because she knows that I've got this thing sobriety, right? And it's not a guaranteed thing, right? I don't know if I'm gonna be sober forever, but like, dude, I'm sober today. Chances are I'm sober tomorrow. I just keep putting one foot in front of the other, like chances are I'll keep down this path, you know, trusting God and doing the next right thing. And like when you do the next right thing, good things happen. So yeah, I think that's all I got. Thanks for letting me share guys.